Welcome back to Logical Magic Examining Esoterica. Hey, today I have a slightly weighty subject for you that my friend Jacob Fluhardy, who is an incredibly good sport, I dropped these topics on him and he's like, sure, I'll give it a shot. Let's talk about that. We are talking about the seven things that you need to heal in order to achieve spiritual enlightenment, in order to improve your manifestations, and in order to feel happier and to heal emotionally. And this gets a little complex, but bear with me. I will be giving you instructions on what it means and how to heal things. So, hey, Jacob, are you familiar with the seven deadly sins? You're Catholic, so you must. I'm very familiar with the seven. Okay. (laughs) The seven deadly sins were developed from the opposite energies of the seven chakra points, which is something that you find in the Hindu belief system very frequently, is the energy points along the our spines, basically, that uh, maintain an energetic universal flow. And each of these energy centers is in charge of particular emotions and part of our emotional structure. So the seven chakras, which also relate to the seven virtues, which are the opposite of the seven deadly sins, and I will go into what the seven virtues are. I'm skipping over the seven deadly sins. They can take that crap. The Catholic Church co-opted a lot of different belief systems in order to incorporate it into their own, basically, mythology so that when they were converting people from pagan religions and from other belief systems, they would have a familiarity. And so in the Catholic Church, if you are praying to, as a, for instance, St. Christopher for a safe journey, that is actually a pagan or a spirit, pagan god or spirit that was in charge of safe journeys that used to be invoked to give people safe journeys on the seas. And that's just one example. And I'm not going to flog the Catholic religion here. Here's the thing. In order to have better manifestations, in order to have the spiritual enlightenment and the connection to the divine that will bring you peace and a feeling of resonance within your life, first, you got to heal your stuff. And everything that we need to heal is actually contained within our chakra points. The root chakra is at the base of your spine. It's red in a chakra chart. It relates to fear and anxiety. The sacral chakra is orange. It relates to impulsivity, to anger, and to the way we express ourselves. It's the creativity chakra. The solar plexus, which is right around your belly button, just a little bit above it, is yellow, and it relates to your relationship to personal power. That is where you're supposed to be manifesting from, by the way. That is your confidence. Your heart chakra, right where you might think it is, is either going to be bright green or bright pink. Different people resonate better with different colors, and that relates to your ability to love yourself securely and to give and receive love securely. Your throat chakra is bright blue. It is, in fact, in your throat, and it is about your ability to express yourself in a way where your truth can be heard. And then your third chakra, a third eye chakra is in the middle of your forehead. It is usually depicted as being indigo. That is your intuition, your discernment, your ability to see the truth beyond false expression. And then at the very top of your head is your crown chakra, which is usually depicted as bright white or with a tinge of violet. Different people will resonate with different things. So those are the seven energy centers that we're trying to heal. And when you get that universal flow going, you have better discernment, you have better manifestations, you have a better connection to spirituality, but you're also emotionally healthier. So Jacob, you read for me, and there are archangel cards and they come out for me all the time. If you get any of these cards... What is your relationship, by the way, to chakra healing? Are you familiar with it? Have you tried any of it? 
Uh, I'm novice at best, I would say. Um, I do, basically through you, um, I know that my root chakra is always, usually the one that I have to do my work with. Um, <laughs> because, um, but Security overall, no, uh, to be completely honest, it's not, yes. It's not one that, uh, it's not a, a system that is, you know, super familiar with me. You know, I, I studied enough of it in college with my religious, you know, training, but it's like, you know, and that's something I've ever mani- like tried to manifest in myself outside of like some basic like root chakra stuff, and I guess the one that's above it, right? Yeah, you know, I always have my problem, you know, like anger and you know those kinds of things. So, um, and your yes, root yes, yes. Chakra, so um, yeah, your, your root chakra will relate to. And by the way, the Catholic Church and many religions try to control people by manipulating their root chakra by engendering them a fear of eternal damnation if they don't behave. Now, please keep in mind, there are different levels of truth. It doesn't mean when I'm like bagging on a religion that there's no truth in that religion, just that they took a truth, they built a narrative around it, and it was usually about controlling people. And some of that control was for good purposes so that we don't club each over the head every time that we get angry with one another. But a lot of it really was about money and power. So when you're reading for people, you have these things come up that stand in their way, and they are all reflected in the different chakra points. How's your heart chakra? Because that's the one that has to do with codependency and love. I mean, I feel like right now it's, it's totally fine. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know in that, in that arena, I feel like I've, I've, shared, I've shared with you before, you know, um, just in our regular conversations that for the first time in a long time, I, I feel pretty amazing in that, in that arena. Um, I feel like my codependency is in a not, you know, I feel like that's something that I'm always going to be working on, something I'm always going to carry with me. But for the first time in a long time, it feels at least compartmentalized enough, right? Where I am able to have more um, successful relationships because I'm not looking for those relationships to fill, you know, a certain um, story or view or like expectation, I guess, of what I feel like I want or need. Or I'm just, I don't know, I'm able to sit with myself in a way that is a lot more healthy, which is allowing me to have more healthy relationships with others because I'm not so dependent on this external feedback and validation, right? Now, when it comes to healing of those energies, what was the crucial part for you? Um, I guess I have so much fear of like abandonment and mm-hmm. uh, like loneliness. Um, like I think I shared with you in 2020 after my marriage ended and I was living on my own, it's a very, very difficult time for me because I didn't know how to navigate the world on my own. Um, ever since I turned 18, I was always living with uh, a partner who was always taking care of me in one way or another. <clears throat> and so, um, sorry, allergies in the South are, are, are real. <laughs> yeah, you can know, saddle your pollen and ride. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, so it's always, I've always been taken care of. So when this is almost embarrassing to say, but you know, like I'm, I'm, I think at that time, like 32 and for the first time and trying to figure out how to navigate the world on my own, it was a very scary thing and I did not handle it well at all. Well, and that's, that's so, so common. And here's the thing that I need people to hear. And I need you here as well, Jacob, that is not a character flaw. What happened to you is that when you were small, your parents were still busy growing up and they did not have good interpersonal relationship dynamics either. 
So your attachment style was influenced by your nurturing. And it wasn't ideal because your parents were kids, basically. And so it it built within you an insecure attachment style, which leads to fear. Now, really quickly, I'm going to go through what Aristotle said was the four pillars of virtue, which you're going to hear them echoed in the seven virtues. And they're also going to relate to the seven chakra points. There are other chakra points, but for the purposes of improving your physical 3D world, these are the ones we're talking about. The four pillars of virtue, according to Aristotle, are judgment or prudence, um, justice, which is fairness, equity, temperance, which is self-control. Now, we have a tendency to think of temperance as being about not taking in substance, but it's not. It's about self-control of frustration and the ability to moderate your own behavior. And then the last one is strength or fortitude which is perseverance, resilience, the ability to stick frickin' to it. Those are the four pillars according to Aristotle. Now, the Catholic Church took these on, looked at the seven chakra points, and they created the seven virtues. Now, interestingly enough, the seven virtues are also exactly what you need to look at at healing in your chakra points in order to achieve that better manifestation, that better universal flow, more security in your relationships, and better emotional health. And that is charity. So you're going to hear this echo, charity, which, by the way, doesn't mean giving things away. It can. In the modern day world, we've made it out to be about giving things away. But charity is about giving other people the benefit of the doubt, extending to them love and compassion and the ability to forgive others as well. So those are all things about charity. Then we have temperance again. I already went into what that was. So that's a root chakra. Charity is contained in your root chakra because you are frequently ungenerous when you are fearful. Almost everything that you need to heal, start with healing your root chakra and your fear. Your fear of survival is the thing that holds you back from manifestation and from spiritual connection. And how have you seen that in your own life, Jacob? Uh, Fear manifests itself in so many different ways. Um, It's this, so I've tried to explain to people as well as like, and if you take this, you know, quote unquote, negative emotion, you can almost always break it down to fear as its base, right? So for me, uh, the big ones are always fear of loss, fear of abandonment, or um, I don't know how to to put this very well, but like being the major people pleaser that I am, I guess, fear of uh, not living up to an expectation or fear of I don't know, being getting in trouble. I don't know how to describe it very well. But, You're not having uh, authentic self accepted by others. Sure. Yeah. So like, yeah. So I, I feel like I spent a lot of my life and, you know, admittedly probably due to a certain degree, um, chameleoning my way through different experiences or phases or groups of people because that fear is a constant and um, whatever I can do to minimize the um, you know likelihood that someone is going to um, exacerbate that fear um i'm going to do that so it, it it does lead you to living a less authentic life which is you know troublesome in its own way okay and so we're going to go through the seven and then we're going to go circle back around to talk about how we can heal them so charity is the first one root chakra temperance is the second one relates to your sacral chakra which is control self-control the solar plexus con- uh, chakra 
Above the solar plexus, we get interrelated energies. So it's not just one that you need to heal. But the solar plexus is your strength or your fortitude, which is uh, represented by like uh, inner resolve, the ability to keep going despite odds type of thing. The fourth chakra is the heart chakra, which humility. Now, humility is a very difficult one for people to learn how to embody because it isn't just being humble in who you are. It is understanding that anything that is brought to you is not a personal judgment that this life does contain suffering for all. And so to not feel afflicted by what is happening in your life, which can be a real challenge mm-hmm. for a trauma survivor. The throat chakra. Oh, is- yeah, no. Of course. Right. Prudence or judgment. The third eye chakra is justice, which is that ability to see through falsehood to for, to um, achieve equity and fairness. And then the seventh chakra is going to be gratitude, which is your connection to the divine. And you heal arrogance and a false self a sense of self for that. So we talked a little bit about root chakra work and what you had to confront in your authenticity, which Authenticity, trying to find your way to the authentic self, is achieving ego death. And ego death is best achieved through greater perspective, stepping outside of yourself and seeing yourself as not simply as you are, but as you may be seen by others and being held accountable for the things that you too have done wrong because we all have. You have to get to the point of being comfortable with admitting that you have things and don't think of them as faults. Think of them as things that you're trying to improve with being willing to admit, I have things to improve. So we talked a little bit about your root chakra issues. We're going to talk a little bit about your sacral chakra, which is temperance. How have you struggled with how you cope with your frustration and fear? Because that's sacral chakra is all about your coping mechanisms. Um, You know, you know this as well as anyone, uh, my coping mechanisms uh, historically have not been uh, healthy uh, ones. And that's something that I'm still struggling with. Um, I think that I've, I've gotten to a much better place here recently, probably within the past year, um, whenever I finally started to work on some of this more code, this codependency more uh, fervently. Um, I would not say, in all honesty, that I have developed anything that's you know groundbreaking or like super helpful for me in this moment, but I have minimized the negative coping mechanisms. So I'm going to take that as a win. Um, I'm not, you know, uh, when you first, well, when I first moved back and you were helping me through all that, like, you remember how much like the the drinking and the extracurricular activities were coming into play. That is certainly not an issue uh, anymore. Like it was. Um, So and, and, and complete honesty, I wouldn't say that I've developed anything good, but I've at least thrown away the things that were not doing the job, right? And, and what helped with that? Because from my experience, self-forgiveness, looking at the poor coping mechanisms that you uh, developed in order to deal with unresolved emotional trauma and pain involves being able to look at yourself with, you don't judge others, you try not to judge yourself because I know- well, about That's yourself. exactly what it was. Yeah, no, I had to, like, at one, I just- I didn't just wake up one day and it happened, but it was definitely a process of understanding that as I was hitting these stumbling blocks didn't mean that I wasn't still moving forward on the journey. And just because, you know, X, Y, and Z people might've had something to say about it. They didn't understand what the situation was either. So I couldn't internalize too much of what they were saying because their perspective was skewed from, you know, their place in it. Um, so that's basically what it was, right? It's just like, 
You yeah, have an extra challenge on top of temperance, which again is about controlling impulsivity. And it is that you have bipolar disorder. Oh my gosh, you're right. And so yeah, between being bipolar and ADHD and, uh, I mean, admittedly not being medicated right now, uh, impulsivity is definitely what I struggle with the most. Like it's, it, it is a constant battle uh, and I, and I don't win it often, but, um, you know, at least I've gotten to the place where like I'm paying all my bills and my animals are taken care of. And like, <laughs> like everything is, is I'm in a, in a good place. I wouldn't say I'm in like a great place. Um, but there, that impulsivity is going to be a constant struggle for me, especially in the short term until, you know, some of the, those other things get taken care of. Right. Right. And you, you kind of fell into the gap between, you know, people who are insured and people who aren't insured in trying to keep a um, disorder medicated. And you've done a really good job with lifestyle management, but it hasn't always been pretty. And you've had to forgive yourself for like, man, I, I literally can't help it. I have a chemical imbalance and I'm doing the best I can. And anybody judging yeah, if, that is if not on the same level, life. Yeah. I agreed, but on that same level, I also had to learn how to stop using that as a crutch as well. Like I think, especially in the beginning, I was using my diagnoses as like a, oh well, I can't help it. That's just how this is. Where it's like, okay, well, that's part of the story, but you're still you still have full faculty over like what's going on. So if you're not taking any, you can't blame the diagnoses if you're not doing anything. It's like. I don't want to use that analogy, but yeah, if you you can't expect something to happen if you don't put any work in, it's just like if we talk about prayer, we talk about magic work, we talk about anything. Like if you're not going to put the any effort in, then things aren't just going to just happen, right? So in the same way, if I'm not going to take steps to you know like go take a walk every day or do X, Y, and Z to improve my mental health, I can't just use my diagnosis as a crutch to be like, oh, that's why I'm a terrible person. I'm sorry. (laughs) This is so key. And so I'm going to reiterate it just a little bit. Remember, if you have a diagnosed disorder, and by the way, how do disorders, uh, 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 basically long-term trauma changes your brain chemistry. So if you Mm. were in a very traumatic situation growing up for many years, chances are that you developed, you will, you can either mood manage or you may need medication. There will never be any shame in needing medication. Thank God we live in the modern age, but it is not an excuse for why I can't do things. It is a tool to understand why it is more of a challenge for me to achieve this because I have general anxiety disorder and I don't medicate it because I manage it through lifestyle. But I've, it is not something that I can't do this because I have general anxiety disorder. It is this will be more challenging for me and may take more time to heal because I have general anxiety disorder. And that is something to understand because some people fear a diagnosis and some people hold it up as a shield. And all it is is a reference journal for what your path is going to look like and why it may differ from somebody with mm-hmm. a different balance. And then the next one is strength and fortitude, which is perseverance, which my word of 2022 was persevere. Just keep going. Just yeah. keep going. Yeah. And yeah. the reason that we need three years that, for <laughs> it's also faith in oneself, which self-love when we're trying to heal and trying to find our authentic self is looking at yourself as you are and forgiving yourself for the missteps that you may have made understanding that if you didn't learn any better, it's very difficult to do any better. And so start from that place is stop judging and hiding from yourself and figure out why you may have done or engage in the behaviors that you do. And that is a key to healing. And strength and fortitude is the opposite is not weakness as much as it is 
lack of faith in self, lack of self-worth. So to heal your solar plexus chakra, which is where you manifest from, you work on self-love. And at some point, I'm going to do an entire podcast about how to achieve self-love, but it's such a deep subject that I'm just going to be moving on right here. Um, Heart chakra is healing your grief to achieve humility. Now, Jacob, what kind of grief have you had that you had to face and heal? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Just drop the big bombs yeah, on no, the no, yeah, Oh, that's a great like, conversation today. Um, I don't know. I feel like this sounds, God, this is going to sound what it sounds like, I guess. It's not as morose as I intend it to be, I guess. But like, I feel like maybe this is true for most people. Like, I feel like my entire life has just been like one grief journey after another. Like, growing up, there was the, you know, the, physical and emotional abuse. And then whenever I became an adult, like I didn't adult very well. And so like, there was like small amounts of grief of like when I had to leave college cause you know, I didn't have money and I was failing out and, or when, you know, I lost my best friend or when my aunt died, like, like I have all this, these opportunities or missed opportunities along the way. Um, I look back and there are situations where I could have done X, Y, or Z and, then I didn't. So I lost an opportunity, which carries its own kind of grief in a way because it, you know, you've missed out on a potential off ramp of this like crazy train that I'm on. Um, I, and admittedly, I did not, I don't handle grief well until recently. And I you feel like that's kind of like, <laughs> it's a tough, like, I feel like I, I say that a lot, but like the past year has been a, a kind of a renaissance for me in a lot of ways, emotionally um, and mentally. And so, um, yeah, for the longest time, it's just been making excuses and self-medicating and seeking out, you know, the, those, you know, nice serotonin hits along the way to try and get through grief. Cause I didn't want to face it. Cause it's like, because again, we, you know, this fear of loss and abandonment is very, is my big one. And so having well, also societally, you know, Societally, we do not teach good coping tools either. Very few people are taught good coping skills. And one of the things with grief, well, and especially growing up in a yeah, sorry, in a Christian background, especially like I think I've told you this before. It's like they frame it in such an interesting way that if there's just not all of the support in a lot of times, yes. it's just like you know, trust the plan. And I'm like, well, the plan fucking sucks. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, 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 no, it's, it, it, it's absolutely true. And what we don't recognize is grief is angry. And here it is an, a very angry emotion. You have to get through anger, which is protective of fear to try. And basically all of your healing is going to be a journey through the down points of the seven chakras. You have to go through the fear. You have to go through the anger. You have to go through the lack of a feeling of worth to achieve your ability to find what your grief is in order to heal it and to release it. And half the time, we are not necessarily grieving for what happened to us because all people will have calamity. No matter what you think somebody else's life is like, it is not what you think it is. They have their own stuff. Societally, we are cho- we are taught to try and heal through repression. Don't show it. You get six weeks. You're not over that yet. Your whole family died in a fire. You're not over that yet. It's been a year. Like people really put so much pressure on people to do something in a convenient for others timeframe. And what you need to hear first when you're trying to heal your grief is most of what you are grieving is the opportunities that you did not have, the life you did not get to Mm -hmm. live, the disappointed dreams that we all have. And it can be profound Mm -hmm. and it does allow you to achieve that humility, which lets you understand 
I am not alone in the suffering. I am not uniquely afflicted. Nothing is trying to victimize me. This is part of being a feeling being. If you want to have love, joy, you have to be able to accept that it's going to suck sometimes. And then I love that you said that because like that's how I feel so much of the time is like the life that I feel like I I could have had or quote unquote should have had. Right. Like, uh, yeah, when I left school and I left my marriage, when I, like so many times, I'm just like, man, I could have had such a better life. And it's just like, uh, shaking, but shaking that is so incredibly difficult. It is taking years of of therapy and work to just be like, the life that you have now is okay. This is the one that you're supposed to have. Um, you can't keep reminiscing about the things that could have been. Well, and that that's a key, key, key point. Every abused grown child, every grown up person who is abused significantly as a child or just at all, really, will wonder what would have happened if that terrible set of circumstances hadn't occurred. And what you need to understand when you're doing that is that there is something that you really like about yourself that came from those circumstances. And if you can't find what that is yet, you're still healing. Because I like I it, when I start telling my life story, people are like, oh, my God, it is. Uh, there was a lot, just a, a really a lot of trauma in my formative experience. There were fires. There were people dropping dead. There were people getting run over by trucks. There was like, you know, deprivation. There was abandonment. There was all there was sexual abuse. There was physical abuse. There was bullying. There was emotional abuse. Right. Like I'm really just a laundry list of probably don't do that to a person. But here is what it taught me is that I can overcome anything if I stick with it, that I am my greatest tool and that it is okay if my dreams did not work out because every single person I met is living atop a dead dream. We all have things that don't work out because failure teaches us resilience. So look to if you're in a space where you're still healing and you're still dealing with the grief of the things that did not work out, Set aside if you can, and this is a tall ask, and it's not being dismissive of your pain. It's just giving you a tool to be able to resolve it and to release it. Set aside the disappointment and look for the part of yourself that was formed in it that was then a good tool going forward. Because everything that I can look at that was like, oh, my God, that's just not that's a David Copperfield type of situation. It's not a good situation also taught me not to care very much what other people think, gave me full confidence in my ability to express myself, made me stand outside of others because I was never part of it, which means that I am not easily controlled. And I think my own thoughts and make up my own mind, which is another key to being able to connect to your greatest power source. And now we have the throat chakra, which is prudence or judgment, which is expression, but also the ability to hold back to know what is worthy of expressing about yourself and to others, and to be able to express your authentic self authentically. Now, where do you struggle with uh, with, with being able to express yourself? What's in your throat chakra? Um, I would say, and this, I would say that I have the biggest issue with expressing myself authentically. I'm a very expressive person. I can get the point across that I want to make, but I can say that there's very few people in this world that know who i am as my most authentic self um there's always going to be yeah i mean there's always and i don't know i I don't you know it for whatever reason even at this stage admittedly as well as i 
feel like I'm doing as well as I feel like I'm feeling. <clears throat> um, I'm still very guarded and I'm still very much like a different mask for every party, you know? Um, so it's appropriate sometimes. It's not, sometimes yeah, that's what, that's what your I authentic self. <laughs> that's discernment that comes I, in the know, next it, chakra. <laughs> Right. And, you know, like I've been accused of being, you know, manipulative and duplicitous and all these other things. And, you know, I'm maybe there's some some validity to that. But it, uh, at the same time, it's just like it, growing up in an environment where my most authentic self was not valued and then not knowing how to approach adulthood with that knowledge. Um, I just assumed that nobody cared. And so, yeah, I mean, there are a couple of people, obviously, like that can break through the facade, but um it's a slow process and most people don't care to go through it and rightfully so i I don't blame anyone for not wanting to take the time to chip it away but um yeah like that's to this day what i struggle with the most is you can one person could describe me from one group and another person could describe me from another group and they would be two totally different um descriptions of who i am as a person and now, how we all others, so. different different variations of self. And you brought up something that I really, really, really want to shine a flashlight on because it's something that does not get talked about. If you grew up in a situation where it was not safe to tell the truth, chances are good you may have engaged in lying as a coping tool. Now, if you mm. did, understand that is a result of trauma and damage that you received. Give yourself permission to recognize it for what it was and just feel yourself being safe in telling the truth. If you are not amongst people that you can tell the truth to, then you need to be amongst different people. And when you are walking through lands where you're not completely safe, because we will all do it in social situations and work situations, let's face it, sometimes you have to have your shield set to maximum. You do not owe everyone a view of your authentic self, but you owe it to yourself at all times. And you're very good at that. You're very good at looking at the, how did I get in my own way? What crap have I engaged in? Sure. I, I think that I'm, I'm, relatively, yeah, I'm relatively self-aware at this point of like why I am the way I am or why I do the things that I do, um, which I guess makes it even that much more frustrating that I can't be, you know, more authentic with people because like, I've pretty much gotten myself figured out at this point. Uh, You'll, you'll still it's have more to learn. Easy to share with other people, be- yeah, yeah, and it's just not always easy to share with other people, especially since you know, like you know, I don't want to like share my trauma because you know, then I get in that mindset of like, oh well, I turned out okay, well, quote unquote okay, um, and so like, why, t- why even bother, you know, complaining about it now or whatever. Um, it's resolving it. It's not. I know. I just. I feel like I spent so much more. It's to resolve the trauma and the damage. Think of yourself as a house. Think of yourself as a house that is poured, a foundation was poured in your childhood, and it will teach you your security, your ability to withstand, your uh, ability to release fears, and your ability to feel joy because contentment is in the home as well. If you were raised in a set of circumstances where none of that was present, how in the world would you have learned it? So you have to go back Mm -hmm. and teach it to yourself as an adult. And that begins with seeing yourself not to defend the things that you think you've done wrong or others might judge, but to see yourself and to not blame yourself as much, but rather to understand yourself. And that is the key to shadow work. If you do your shadow work, which is the part of your personality that was formed in trauma, which I just like touched upon with, if you were deceptive because 
of that particular set of circumstances, you were not in it. Because a lot of people grew up where if they like told the truth, somebody would beat the crap out of them. And so they did not learn good coping tools and they learned that it was, there were people, it was, they were not safe telling the truth. So examine your relationship to why you express things as you do. And it isn't to blame others. It is to understand self because we're not blaming your parents. They only did what they knew and they were young. They had no idea what they were doing. And you're, you're in that space and I'm in that space. Oh, I just see my parents as these very like understandable products of really screwed up situations and they could not convey, nor did they have an interest in conveying something they had never experienced themselves. Now we're moving on to the third eye, which is discernment, which is your ability to see past the lies that we all tell ourselves about ourselves, the falsehood, the false front that other people put forward as well, because we are encouraged to do so in society and being able to hone your own gut instincts. And the most important part for healing, this is the one I'm always teaching my clients, is learn to differentiate between anxiety and intuition. Your anxiety is a root chakra. That's the first thing that we talked about, root chakra issue, which heal your fear in order to be able to heal your anxiety. And discernment is found usually in the first thought. I'm always telling people your intuition will end with a period and your anxiety will end with a question mark. What if, what if this happens? What? That is not your intuition. That is your anxiety trying to freak you out. The first thing that comes into your mind when you try clear, balance, balance your chakras. There are free recordings all over YouTube for balancing your chakras. They come in as little as 10 minutes and 30 minute segments. If you can set aside 10 minutes a day, you can balance your chakras. And again, these are free resources. Not that there's a thing wrong with people who charge for energy healing. It's just that if you do not have the means, you can still have the tools. So that's the third eye. As we are always trying to hone our intuition, one of the best tools to have, you have this deck, I have this deck, is the Energy Oracle by Sandra Ann Taylor. It is so much easier to learn than tarot. Tarot is super complex. That, read them only in the upright. That's my personal advice. I've never read them in reverse. They don't hold up in reverse for me. Um, I do read tarot in reverse. Um, those are the best tools to start honing your intuition. You draw three cards at the beginning of the day. You revisit them at the end of the day to see how they apply to your day. And you start to connect to your intuition. And then here comes the big one, the crown chakra, your connection to your higher self, to your authentic self, being in true alignment with your highest self and being in connection to the divine. And this is where we're going to like maybe cart some controversy is what the heck is the divine? When we talk about the divine, what do you think the divine is? Um, I, I would okay. the best way I've been able to describe it to people is I guess I take more of a like a pantheistic worldview of how the universe works. Um, I come from uh, an idea system that says that the physical world did not create consciousness; consciousness created the physical world. And uh-huh. so, whenever I the divine or spirit i'm talking about the universal consciousness that existed before the physical world and so when we talk about things so like when we talk about how like i follow like a celtic religious path or whatever what i'm saying is i am using um the i am basically taking the the great consciousness and then conceptualizing it in a way that is easily understood because as a human there's no way that i can really understand this universal consciousness right and so we use these archetypes and we use these mythologies to conceptualize different aspects of you know what this divine force is in the universe um 
And so that's why, like, I would never kind of say that any religion is invalid over another because exactly. we're all just using, the, we're all using different language and archetypes and cultural background and, you know, what have you to understand this concept that we really can't understand with our current, you know, state of being, if that makes sense. It, it, it does make sense to me. And like really quickly, I want to touch on one thing more with the third shot, third, third eye chakra and the root chakra. If you heal your fear, you will be very grounded in 3D and is incredibly important to be grounded when you are reaching for intuition. Why? Because there are many, many possibilities and you want to be anchored in the here and the now in order to get the answers that you need for the here and the now. So being grounded is super important. When it comes to the divine, you believe almost exactly what I believe, even though we approach it from different angles. First of all, the first thing to remember is more than one thing can be true and almost always is. Mm -hmm. um, the second mm -hmm. thing that I was like introduced to many years ago, which is all paths to God are valid. Now, I use God, spirit, and the divine interchangeably. It does not mean I believe that religions are wrong, but that ra rather religions built a narrative around a true energy or a true power that is not within our physical understanding. Meaning there is, it is beyond our ability to understand what the divine truly is in this form. We can come close to it. And those are the stories and the narratives that made it possible throughout the course of time and would appeal to different people in different parts of the world. Meaning it's all true. And the divine for me is the idea that there is the purest form of energy that we can achieve as human beings. Our highest self contains that seed of the divine. And what we're talking about in aligning your chakras, in reaching for the seven virtues or the pillars of virtue, if you want to say, is being able to connect yourself to the purest form of energy that you can achieve in this lifetime. And I need people to understand something else, which is that healing is not something that you achieve and you never backslide on. Mm -hmm. And that's something that like mm -hmm. people don't understand. I, is I, you I, might I have to, to do work that, yeah. over and over. I beat that to people all the time because it's like that was a, a, a mentality that I had for a while. And I couldn't, and that was what was so frustrating. I couldn't figure out why I kept backsliding. I was putting in all this work and it was very um, demoralizing after, you know, like, man, darn, I'm in years of therapy and I'm still like, why is this happening? It was all because it's not a linear journey, you know, come on. And there's, there's more one in that closet to unpack. Exactly. And then going back to the house analogy and you're repouring your foundation, you, you're reinforcing your emotional structure. And that is what happens to us through trauma is that the structure that we're, the energetic structure we're trying to build our life and our power upon has been damaged. And the work that we're doing when we're trying to do this alignment is to go back and to claim who we were meant to be when we got here before we were damaged by the exterior forces that shape us all. And it does mean that you may have some permanent damage depending on the severity of the trauma. And you know what mine is. You know what mine is? I was deprived at a scary level. I didn't have a refrigerator at one point. I didn't have a washing machine. I mean, I was a child. Like we rarely got to turn on the heat. Um, there was one point in which I ate popcorn for two weeks and like it was real. it was very frightening. And right. so my fear around security is always pronounced and I have to be very aware of it. And it also impacted because I grew up around people with explosive, volatile, oh my God, scary tempers that they would then try and kill each other. 
That taught me some bad coping skills that I have had to unlearn, and that has to do with impulsivity or healing temperance. But I have to, I had to learn to be very kind and patient with myself because for a while I, I, I may not like myself very much. Because, and then finally, I got old enough to kind of look at everything from that greater perspective and realize if it was anybody else in this world, I would have compassion for, well, how in the world would you know how to do any of that? You literally had no examples. What were you supposed to magically know it? And if you're hearing this, it likely applies to you because trauma survivors struggle so much with self-blame. And it's not about blaming somebody else. It is about accepting that the situation was what it was and it did certain things and that your job now is not to be aggrieved over it or feel afflicted by it, but to understand it so that you can reinforce it in the ways that work for you. And self-love is a big part of that. And self-love starts by talking to yourself as if you love yourself. If you Here's how to start achieving self-love. Treat your inner child, which I never like that term. And I rarely use it. I always use formative damage. And here's why, because it's such a reductive sounding phrase. We're not walking around with a teeny child. However, yeah. your approach to self is formed in that very fundamental primary colors type of being that is a small child. So when you're worried about something, if you're anxious, if you're angry, start talking to yourself as if you are in charge of a five or a six-year-old child who desperately needs a nap. And it works. I swear it's the start to talking to yourself appropriately. Just kind of like, of course you're upset. Of course you're fearful. This happened, that happened, but you can handle it. You're doing okay. And is it normal to use you statements when you're trying to heal your inner child? It is because you're trying to go back essentially in time to find the part of yourself that was damaged by the mistreatment of the circumstances or the people around you. Jacob, do you do any magic? Because I know that like we've talked about it, but like as far as I know, you don't do a lot of spell work. Uh, I do not. Um, and there's a particular reason why, other than I'm just um lazy and I <laughs> oftentimes like don't do don't take the time to do the planning necessary. Um that's really all there all there is to it. Um yeah, I don't have any, I have nothing against and I would love to do more of it, but um, I'm so bad at planning uh, more than anything. I get busy with other things and then I wake up uh, or like silly things. Like I put some, uh, a jar out for moon water last month and um, totally forgot about it and woke up the next day and I was like, oh darn, I left that, you know, I left that out all night. You know, I'm, I'm like the witch. I guess we'll try. <laughs> I, I don't use moon water a lot because realistically you're supposed to use moon water from the astrological movement that would then impact the spell. So if you're doing like moon water for the new moon in Taurus, that is very good for security stuff, but it's maybe not the best stuff for trying to have a creative endeavor. It, it, it's sure. genuinely, yeah. so I don't use moon water as much as a lot of other, which is, but it can really help with intuition. So it is an important thing. And the way you create moon water is to sit water out in a clear container, preferably glass, where the light or the absence of light from the new moon, because there will be no new light from the new moon, it's dark, um, or the full moon also creates light where the light or the energy can interact with that water. And you're supposed to bring it in before the sun comes up again to maintain its potency. And for use of magic, you're going to want to label it for the type of moon that it came from, because that will inform 
what you can use it for. Now, some people drink moon water. That's fine if you want to. I don't personally, like I said, I don't work as much with moon water because I practice celestial and angelic magic. So I'm always calling in archangels. And uh, sometimes I'll work with Persephone or with Lakshmi. And I use the moon for a lot of intuition or abundance work. So when we're talking about alignment and being able to meditate, how do you do with meditation? Meditation is a constant struggle. Um, and I think the, like part of it is the, you know, uh, the ADHD nature of my brain. Um, but I have to, so I've found a program that works. Um, it's semi-guided. So I, I started with the fully guided where it's like the guy is constantly talking to you to keep you on track. I have since upgraded to the semi-guides where he just like gives you your, your, your top, your prompt or whatever, your reminder. And then he's quiet for, you know, the, X amount of time for that that segment or whatever. Um, I admittedly am not as on top of it as I should be. Um, I have a really hard time with keeping with with uh, like um, time. How do I put this with structure? So like I'm not getting up and doing the same thing every day like I would like. Um, I get distracted so easily. Um, but it has been a really helpful tool. Um, it's something that I've been increasing lately, and I you know still have more work to do, but. Um, we get in there. And that's another reason why I've not been doing a lot of magic work, work either is I, I just don't feel like I'm there yet. Like, I don't feel like I have that yeah. no, that's connection why. yet, which is <laughs> why where the meditation comes in, right? Like, oh, so until I really so happy, you just may be so happy because people doing magic work <laughs> when they're not healthy enough to do it. Oh my God, the results that they get. Well, and that's yeah, exactly. a whole episode on that, but backfires are a thing, man. Yeah, especially since the, the kind of magic that I would do or have like worked with in the past is very like, uh, I guess the easiest way to describe it would be like like folk magic. So it's just like it's you you have to you have to be like in a in a space for it, and I have not been in that space, and so there was no reason for me to you know try to manifest or interact with anything because I'm just I'm just not there yet. Okay. What well, and, and like such a such a good point. And thank you for like treating it with that much respect because you'll get better results. So as we're talking about the chakras, which are key to healing for your authentic self, for your intuition, for your ability to manifest, and for your ability to connect spiritually, one of the things that is key, and this is the part where people are gonna go, oh no, I I, I hate that. Trauma survivors rarely do well with meditation because they grew up in atmospheres where they weren't safe. And it is really, really, really hard to clear your mind if part of you is going, what was that noise? Oh, God, I have to go to the grocery store. I'm out of... There's a part of you that is always in survival mode when you grew up being traumatized. So as you said, we have a relationship to meditation that is flawed as well. Meditation is not sitting in a lotus position, oming, and it can be for some people. But it is more likely to be a state of receptivity that is achieved when your mind, your personal mind, because it's going to look different for everybody, is in a state of being able to have new things enter without you questioning them. So it's usually found you can do it through guided meditations. You can do it through sleep meditations. These are going to be all over your music services and on YouTube. Or you can also do it by listening to a chakra meditation. I'm going to recommend doing the root chakra first for at least 10 minutes, and then listening to a third eye meditation on headphones so that it cancels out other noise as you do something else, walking, cleaning, sitting and looking at a tree. And 
Don't think that answers will come to you like a ticker tape across your forehead. That is not how receptivity works either. It means you have created the space. You have to trust that it is being filled by something. And after you have meditated, you may feel an urge to like, maybe I should go to Barnes and Noble, look for a book. And something will happen at Barnes and Noble that helps further your journey. That is how receptivity works. Right. You yeah. rarely get Stay away from Joe Smith. He is actually a very prevalent mindset that I've seen online. And I'm, I'm again, I'm not railing on young people. I, I know I feel like I say that every time we get together, but especially with, with the younger generation, I feel like they, they have this mindset of that's what meditation is going to give them, or they're going to like enter into this like trance state and meet their spirit guides. Oh, and, that, oh, and that happens. I'm not taking that away from them. I'm sure I'm, that does happen sometimes. I'm sure it hasn't yeah. been my experience experience but and but i wouldn't say that my experience is any less valid but i also say that sometimes they're kind of full of it and they're giving unrealistic expectations to the majority like that might be a a minority experience but the majority of people need to understand like that is not you're not going to have a burning bush kind of experience most of the time it's going to be nudges it's going to be little pushes um and you just got to go with that and be okay with that. And, and like, see the beauty in that. Like the fact that you're able to, you know, tap into the consciousness at all and get anything, I think is a, a stellar thing, especially in this modern world that we live in with everything that's going on. So oh, it, like, exactly. it away, right? D- don't look for the big, you need to go here to meet, meet your soulmate things. Can that happen? Sure. It is rarer than it is depicted as being in a spirituality community. And by the way, when you're talking about meeting your guys, please understand you need to heal first. If you are not healed, any being that you are interacting with, I beg of you to hear me. Be grounded and shielded whenever you are trying to interact with something that is giving you information. Because just because it says it's something is not the same thing as saying it actually being that thing. And when you're healed, you're protected. So as you are healing, maybe don't put a lot of weight into, I want to meet my spirit guides. It's like, how about you heal first and see where your guidance takes you? And your guidance will manifest in your waking time. Every now and then mm. I will have a message come through and it will bust through no matter what I'm doing. Um, I like I don't want to use the person's name here, but I was sitting and reading a book and I put the book aside and it was a stupid plot development in it. And I was thinking about the stupid plot development and I heard in my head and I'm like not schizophrenic, by the way, when I talk about hearing voices, it's not something's directing me normally. So this is a rarity. I heard in my head, go find blank now. And the, I'm not saying the person's name because I just don't want to. It feels like it, too much exposure for that person. And I had not spoken to that person in so, so long, 17 years. And I was like, oh, okay. I've looked before and wasn't able to contact that person. And I did. And I found them. And they were in a lot of trouble. And something that was related to that flip and plot development would happen three months later in their life where they had a toxic re- uh, reaction to an antidepressant. That was the plot development that I was like, I don't know. Set it aside, thought of this person three months after I got back in touch with them after 17 years and was a form of emotional support for them in a way that they did not had. They then had the same toxic reaction to an antidepressant. It blew us both away, but that was a big one. That's It's usually not that big and glaring. Usually it's stuff like I draw cards at the beginning of the day and I got one that said a message is trying to reach you and multiple cards about surprise. 
And I thought our meeting was next Tuesday and I got a message from you that was in fact surprising because you're like, I'm a Zoom link. And I'm like, okay, well, that explains those cards. Please don't dismiss that because it's mundane. That is the freaking universe interacting with you. That's magic. Even when it's something so small, I've I've been saying this for years. We are basically like, think I like to tell people, think of your brain as like an antenna for the information that the universal consciousness that we are all connected to is giving you. If you have this random thought, oh, I should call Johnny. Uh, I don't know why I want to call Johnny, but I should send him a text message or whatever. Do it because chances are Johnny wants to hear from you. And that is just the universe's way of saying, you know, hey, you know, whatever. Like, listen to those things. Like, they're they're there for a reason. You're picking up on something that needs to be, uh, you know, interacted with or however you want to look at it. This is this is so true. So we're talking about spiritual alignment, spiritual connectivity, manifestation, and emotional healing, and they all start with getting yourself in energetic alignment. So the first step for anybody listening to this is get comfortable with the idea of healing those energy points, of aligning your chakras, of working on the issues that keep that chakra from being in its greatest power, and that will immediately start connecting you to a more authentic and more evolved and more spiritually connected version of yourself and take time with it. Know that it, it Rome was not built in a day. You will not actually have an archangel drop into your bedroom and tell you to do something <laughs> unless that was your life's purpose all along. Right. And by, by the way, you won't be in the dark about that. You won't. You will have been like, yeah, no, that, that stuff when I was talking about, the you know, the go find so-and-so now, that's not the first time that had ever happened to me. And it's always very, very, very significant. It started happening to me when I was 12, when something woke me up from a house fire to save my life. And so it's like, is it constant? No, no, it's not. It's just, it does. That's the other thing to remember with intuition, guys, is we are on a need to know basis. You could be demanding answers over and over and over again about something. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't meant to be knowing it as part of your growth and as part of your evolution, then you're not going to know. Yeah, you know that lesson better than anybody. Yes. (laughs) So charity, temperance, strength or fortitude, humility, prudence or judgment, justice, and then gratitude. And how do you find gratitude? I'm leaving that one for last because it's the hardest one. To find gratitude, you have to find what is worth celebrating and worth embracing in your here and your now. And there is something. There is something, whether it's a beautiful day, whether it's a nice cool glass of water, whether it is the sun on the water, whether it's a tree, whether it's a comfortable bed, that is how you start building gratitude is stop looking at your life for what it doesn't have and what you were denied, but rather for the thing that you are overlooking that you should be grateful for because not everyone has it. And for somebody like me, I'm in ridiculously good health. Like I am just, I am like the energizer bunny of like, I just stuff rolls off me that's taken other people out. And I, I'm so grateful for that. It does have to do with that same genetic mishmash that gave me the world's worst parents, but it gave me something else. It gave me something else. If you want to feel gratitude, look at a situation for what it is in a beneficial or a positive situation, rather than looking for what something isn't. And you will have taken the first steps towards gratitude, which that will start connecting you to a greater feeling of resonance and connection to all and to the divine, no matter what the divine might be for you. And for you, the divine might be the best version of yourself that you can achieve within this lifetime. And that is as as valid as somebody who goes to a church and prays every single day, feeling like they need to connect to how they approach their connection to the divine. All right, Jacob, that was, you. like I said, you are such a damn sport about this because I dropped these like, hey, let's talk about this insanely weighty and thing. And you're like, 
Cool. I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> Where can people find I'm always you? here, you know, yeah, I am still, best way to get uh, to me is still on my Facebook page, Stellar Style Readings on Facebook. Awesome. Awesome. And he is a great reader. He is my reader. And he tells you how you're going to feel about things, which is more important than almost anything. Because if you know how you're going to feel in the future, it gives you the information that will help you. If you think the details help you as much, they don't. They don't. Knowing how you will feel really informs what the future will feel like and look like to you. And I am Elaine. You can find me at at therisingmoon.com. You can book a tarot reading with me there or a life coaching session. I have a YouTube channel called Chromecast at the Rising Moon. It is not with an M. It is with an N, Chromecast. I am so glad you're able to join me to talk about a weighty subject. Jacob, I'm sure I will drag you back again in the not-too-distant future. But thank you so much for joining me. Take care. Be well, everyone. And live magically and heal. You'll feel so much better.